This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, today we're excited to be kicking off this new series called Come Holy Spirit. And I've been praying a lot about this and coming into 2020, the Lord began to really stir in my heart. He really began to place within me this strong sense and burden to better help us as a people engage God the Holy Spirit and to learn how to yield to the life of his spirit within us. One of our core values at Courageous Church is a courageous life empowered by the Holy Spirit. We actually spoke on this a few weeks back. It's one of the seven core values that we just got done talking about. And today, I want to begin this new seven-week series by unpacking what a spirit-empowered life really looks like. And I want to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and help us discover how he actually wants to operate within our lives. I believe this, that God absolutely wants you and I to have an intimate relationship with him through his Holy Spirit. I believe when Jesus said that it was better for him to go so that he could send us the Holy Spirit, that he wasn't exaggerating, that he actually meant what he said when he said it to them, and I believe to us. It's truly better for us to know and to experience God through his spirit. And so today we say, come, Holy Spirit, come. To begin, when the scriptures speak of God, they always speak of him as a spirit. Beginning in Genesis chapter 1, we see this in verse 1 through 2. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The psalmist also points us to this in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 8. He says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are also there. And so we see references to the Spirit of God all throughout the Old Testament, including the prophets. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 2, it says this about God. As he spoke, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. The word for spirit here, used in the Hebrew scriptures, is ruach. And it means the breath or the wind of God. And this is absolutely central to Hebrew thought and Jewish thinking about who God is. He is spirit. He is ruach, breath and wind. For millennia, Jews and Christians alike have related to God in this way. They've related to him as spirit, as wind, as breath. And we would say that as his creation, made in his image and likeness, we are God-breathed. We are spirit-endowed. And so God formed man from the dust of the earth, Genesis tells us. And he breathed into him, and he became a life-giving spirit. We are God-breathed. We're spirit-endowed. And Paul would also speak about the scriptures this way. He would speak about God's word this way in 2 Timothy. We see this in chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. 
He says this, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love that. So we see the life and the activity of the Holy Spirit all throughout the Bible, through the Torah, through the writings, through the prophets, and it doesn't stop there. Perhaps the greatest representation that we see of the Holy Spirit and the life of the Spirit is in relationship to Jesus. Jesus shows up on the scene and he shows up at Bethany and John the baptizer is baptizing people with water in the Jordan River. And this is what John says after he encounters Jesus in the baptismal waters. John chapter one, verse 32 through 34 says this, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Jesus. And I myself did not know Jesus, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me this, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit, with the Ruach HaKodesh. Even more interesting, I think John goes out of his way to specifically tell us that Jesus is the one upon which the spirit of God came and remains. And so we see this picture of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God, the breath or wind of God descending from heaven as a dove, and he's just hovering over the waters just like he did in creation. And John is trying to recall this imagery. He's trying to take the reader and the listener back to Genesis to recall what the Spirit was doing when it too was once hovering upon the waters. But this time, rather than invest himself in his creation, he rests himself upon a man. And not just any man, the God-man, Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, God's chosen one. And so John says this, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen I've seen this with my own eyes. And I testify that this is God's chosen one. The markation of God's anointing and his chosenness of Jesus. And so we see Jesus going in to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies and scriptures and the tradition of being baptized with water. But in it, something else happens. The spirit of God breaks in. The ruach, the breath, the wind comes from heaven. And it rests upon Jesus where it remains. Today, the good news that I want to call us to as a church and as a people is that you and I are the ones that Jesus wants to baptize with his Holy Spirit. You and I, because of Jesus, are the ones he wants to baptize with his Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can also come and remain on us. And not just on us, but in us and working his life through us. Over the course of these next few weeks, I want to call us as a church to lean more fully into this reality, to become more present in listening for and looking for the work of the Holy Spirit as he comes in greater fullness. And I believe that Courageous Church is a safe place, a safe place to explore and experience the Holy Spirit more freely. I want to begin by making a pretty bold statement. Some of you have been trying to live for God and you're frustrated. Some of you may even feel like you're failing at it. And the truth is, 
you're probably not frustrated or failing because of your heart's desire to please God. You're probably not frustrated or failing because of a lack of trying. You're frustrated and perhaps even failing because rather than you live your life for God, God actually wants to live his life in you. Can I say that again? Rather than you and I try to live our life for God, God actually wants to live his life through you. And the shift in how that happens is everything. We're gonna look at this. Many of us, I think, try and strive and contend to do life on our own terms, if we're being honest. Uh, To do life in a way that's based on our own effort and our own ability. When what I believe God is actually calling us to is to yield to the life of his spirit. You see, yielding is more about surrender and about trust. It's about learning to listen and observe, to discern the voice and move of God, to hear and sense and know what God is doing, and then to let him do it in you. It's kind of like two people coming to an intersection at the same time or a stop sign at the same time. Yielding is essentially you saying, no, 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 you go first. Yielding is you saying to God in your life, God, you go first. Holy Spirit, it's your move. It's us coming to that intersection every day and making a decision to yield our lives to the move and the work of the Holy Spirit that wants to move in and through us so that God can live his life in you. You see, I think the difficult thing about yielding is that it's not natural, It's not natural for me when I come to an intersection to want to yield to that next driver. Our tendency and in our culture is to pump that gas. It's to accelerate as fast as you can. It's to go, go, go. Okay, I came from California, all right? And in California, people drive a little crazy and they're offensive drivers. They're not defensive drivers, meaning everyone just sort of goes for it. And if you don't drive that way, you're gonna get left in the dust or you're gonna get into an accident. And I don't think that yielding for some of us is always natural, but it's the life that God calls us to as Christians. He calls us to yield to the life of the Holy Spirit, to say, it's your move. This means that for many of us, maybe not for all of you, because you've all arrived, but maybe for me, and I'm preaching to myself today, this means that sometimes we need a little heavenly reset. We need God to hit the reset button in our lives, to recalibrate our hearts, to retrain the way we think and the way that we act. The good news is that the Holy Spirit actually wants to help you with this. And why does he want to help you? Why does the Holy Spirit want to help you with this? Because the Holy Spirit is our helper. And today I want to look at the Holy Spirit as our helper. I believe more than anything else, it is the Spirit of God within us that wants to help us in and with all things. Not some things, but everything. Meaning there's no problem too great, no problem too small, no detail that God doesn't want to help you with, that God doesn't want to be invested in within your life. John chapter 15, verse 26 says this, and this will be our primary text today. But when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father. This is Jesus saying this. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The word for helper here in the Greek is the word parakletos. We actually taught on this a few weeks ago for those of you that are here. And it means the one who is summoned 
to the side of another to bring help, assistance, or aid. To help you. And I love that this is the picture that Jesus wants us to have of who the Holy Spirit wants to be in our life. It's one thing to know that he's the breath and wind of God. It's one thing to know that he wants to rest upon us, that he wants to come. But it's another thing to know that he not just wants to come, he wants to help. He wants to help us. He wants to come to our aid. He wants to be our public defender and our strength. He wants to provide us with assistance. He wants to be all over and up in our life. And I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to help, I could use all the help I could get. Anybody else feel me on that? I could use all the help I could get my hands on. When we first moved into our home a little over a year and a half ago when we got a place down in Sandy, we immediately noticed that there were a lot of things that needed help. There were gas issues. There was electrical issues. There were leaks. There was rooms painted different colors. There was different colored carpet in different rooms of the house. It was a mess. The house needed help. And as a result, we probably spent about three or four months just trying to fix things that were going wrong. I remember one time I was upstairs and my wife called to me and she said, Jason, the ceiling is leaking. Now this home was built in the 70s, so it had a lot of issues. And I came running downstairs and the toilet above the bathroom upstairs was leaking into the ceiling above the bathroom on the first floor. It's so much so that it caved in and water was just gushing and it was disgusting because <laughs> I don't know how long that had been going on before we figured it out, okay? And as it turned out, the pipe had actually rusted and broken and I just looked at her and I said, well, we're in this to win this, so here we go. And I became very good friends with DIY videos on YouTube, learning how to do plumbing. And I will say this, I don't like plumbing <laughs> at all. And in some ways, that picture is kind of like what our lives are like before God moves in. That's kind of a picture of what our lives look like without the Holy Spirit. We got different color carpet in different rooms. We got stuff that we had hoarded from previous relationships. And we got all this old furniture that was passed down from mom and dad and their parents. We had this hodgepodge issues and electrical problems and gas leaks and flooding. And we got all these issues. And we need help. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and he wants to be our helper. He says, I want to come in. I want to move in. And I'll address your plumbing issues. <laughs> I'll address your weird looking carpet. I will move things around and I will address what needs to be fixed because I am the parakletos. I am the helper. I'm the one that brings help and assistance and aid into your life. This is what happens when we come to Christ. Sometimes is we invite him to come in through his spirit and we say, be our helper and then he starts moving things around. He starts to fix things. And then we get irritated. We're like, ah, no, hmm, that hurts. Oh, no, I, but I like the furniture there. No, no, but I, I don't want you to touch that. No, Jesus, don't mess with that. No, no, and don't do this. And no, no we can live with that leak. It's not that bad. I mean, it's, it's just a little bit of water, right? And then we wonder why later on when the thing bursts and... Nasty pee pee water is coming through the ceiling. Come on. Let's just call it what it is. And we're like, Jesus, help us with this mess. And he was like, really? I tried to deal with this issue the moment I moved in. You wouldn't let me. Or sometimes we say to him, well, maybe we can just wait on that. Let's just push the renovation out a few months. Maybe, maybe we'll tackle that next year, Jesus. And he goes, but I want to help you with that today. I want to address that today. 
It would have been easy for me, probably less expensive for me to go, ah, I can just worry about that later. We don't really need to fix that right now, do we? We could probably wait till next year, you know. We can figure it out down the road. But to do so would have been to put my children, who I love, and my wife, whom I really love, at great risk. And some of us are treating God, the Holy Spirit, the same way. We're saying, well, we want the power and the miracles and the signs and the wonder and the gifts and the fruit, but we don't really want you to fix anything right now. Would you mind just kind of leaving that part alone? Maybe next year, you know, when my life's all put together and I feel better about myself and I'm ready to go back to church and get involved, maybe then we'll address that issue. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm sending you a helper who wants to move in and fix those things now. This is how the Holy Spirit comes to us, with a desire to help us. Here's what I've learned. When God moves in, there's not one area of your life that's going to remain untouched or unnoticed because he's Lord of all. John chapter 16, verse 7 in the ESV says this, Nevertheless, this is Jesus, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. I want you to underline that word or swipe it or highlight it for you iPhone users. It is to your advantage that he does so. For if I do not go away, the helper, I want you to highlight or underline that word. The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The truth is the helper, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh wants to help us. And it is absolutely to your advantage Jesus is saying and and pointing this out to us, it is for your advantage. Meaning God doesn't want you to walk through life at a disadvantage. He wants you to have an advantage. And the advantage that we have over the world is the Holy Spirit, is the helper, is the parakletos, is the ruach hakodesh, is the power and wind and blast of God resting upon and indwelling within us so that he can live his life through you. Some of you are tired because you've been doing life according to your own strength and based on your own abilities. And he says, come to me, those of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. How? Because I will place my Holy Spirit within you. And the helper will help you, not with some things, but with all things. And if you would just yield, if you would just surrender, if you would just trust, if you would just take a step toward me, watch what will happen. I can tell... When I'm redlining in my emotional health, I get angry, I get frustrated, I get anxious. Anybody else feel me on that? And I can tell when I'm doing life according to my strength and according to my terms. But you know what? I can also tell when I'm yielding to the life of the Spirit, when I'm letting Him go first, when I'm coming to that intersection of life and I'm saying, Jesus, it's your move. When I take time to wait on Him, and to pray, and to lean in, and to listen, and to observe, and to discern. You see, God is in the business of retraining us for righteousness, and he wants to retrain your mind, and he wants to retrain the way you think, and the way you act, and the way you believe, so that his life can be made more fully manifest through you. That's why it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants to renew the way you think, 
And for many of us, this is not our natural modus operandi. We think us, 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 me, me, me. I'm going to get mine. Come on, somebody. Serve me. Make it all about me. And yielding is going, no, no, no. Holy Spirit, it's your move. Jesus, you go first. And I found the more that I approach life, maybe it's a major decision. Maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's an argument with your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Whatever it is, I've found that if we'd be willing to yield, to give up the right to need to be right in an argument, come on, let's be honest. That's a hard one. But to yield and say, no, 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 Holy Spirit, you first. What is it you want to do today? How do you want me to treat people today? How do you want me to love my neighbor today? How do you want me to make that decision today? How do you want me to lean in to hear what you have to say today? If we'd begin to do that, we would allow and permit the Holy Spirit greater access and greater movement within our life. And I believe that's what he absolutely wants because he wants to help you. He absolutely wants to help you. He wants to help you with your anger. He wants to help you with your sadness. He wants to help you with your anxiety. He wants to help you with your hurt. He wants to help you to forgive. He wants to help you with your joy. He wants to help you with your rest. He wants to help you with your family. He wants to help you with your job. He wants to help you with your neighbors. He wants to help you because the Holy Spirit is our helper. Now, I could probably add a million other things to that list, but God wants you to know this today. He wants to be your helper. And isn't that amazing that our infinite, eternal God who made the cosmos absolutely wants to help us with the details of our life. I mean, it's kind of humbling when you think about it, that our great big God is that concerned over the hairs on your head. He actually knows the number of them or the lack thereof. For my balding friends, you beautiful people, you. He knows, he's invested, he's interested in the intricacies, in the details of not just the big things, and a lot of times we think that our life and our prayers should only bother God with the big stuff. But you know what I've found? He cares about the little things. He cares about the small things too. Just as much as he cares about the big things. Romans 8, chapter 24 through 26 says this, and we'll get ready to close. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I made that comment last week. That his strength is made perfect in our weakness. You know what the word perfect is? And I didn't point this out, and I meant to. The word perfect means complete. It means without lack. That's what the word is actually really trying to tell us. That his strength, the strength of the Holy Spirit, our helper, is made perfect, is made complete in us when we're weak. Not when we're strong, not when we're all put together, not when we're boasting, not when we think we've, we've gone through all the steps and we've done everything that we're supposed to do. We've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and checked all the boxes. No, 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 my friends. The Holy Spirit, the helper's strength is made complete while we are yet weak, while we are yet lacking, 
while we are yet in disarray, while our house is a mess. And that's the good news for us today. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just hungry for more of God. I have tasted and I have seen and I cannot go back to the counterfeit and the substitutes any longer. And for too long, we as the church have been taught to chase the event or the encounter or the thing or whatever it is, when in reality, the truth is we're called to chase a person and that person's name is Jesus and he wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the breath and wind of God, so that we, once tasting, having seen, having our eyes opened, will never ever settle for anything less than ever again. And many of us have settled And we said, thank you for the cross, Jesus. Thank you for this gift. And I think I understand it intellectually when what God is wanting to do is to break through from here into here so that he can begin to transform the way you think, not just in your mind, but within your heart. So the way that you respond to him in a loving relationship is not dictated on whether you were good today or bad today, whether you got upset or didn't, whether you had it all together. No, it's dictated on your willingness to in love yield to step aside so that he could live his extraordinary life in you. Paul says we have this all-surpassing power and it's been placed in jars of clay. This all-surpassing power. I don't know about you guys, but I don't always wake up feeling like I've got all-surpassing power in me. (laughs) Quite the opposite. I feel limited sometimes. In my parenting, I'll just be honest and transparent. There's times where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I've read all the books. I know all the methods. I got all the psychology guys chirping in my ear. But there's times where I'm like, Jesus, without the power and help of your Holy Spirit, I'm at a loss. And maybe you're not a parent, but maybe you're at a place in your life where you don't know where to go or what to do. And you're at this turning point or this crossroads and you can make this decision and go here or you can make this decision and go here. Or maybe you're just struggling to find something or maybe you're just barely meeting your meet's end. But if you would yield, if you would say, Holy Spirit, help me. I yield to your decision. I yield to your life and your prompting. You know what'll happen? The things that used to seem really hard begin to get a little easier. And the areas in your life where you couldn't hear God before are now suddenly areas where you're starting to hear him with greater clarity, with greater conviction, with greater sense of who he is and wants to be in your life. And it's a process. Praise the Lord that you and I are in a process and he doesn't discredit us from the help of his Holy Spirit because we're in process. He doesn't discredit us from the help of his Holy Spirit because we're just getting started in this thing or because we made mistakes or whatever. He comes to you and he remains in your life. If you've said, Jesus, you are Lord and you are savior of my life, then guess what? You have been indwelled with the power of the Holy Spirit and he wants to express that life in you and through you more than you do. Here's the extraordinary news. He trusts you with his Holy Spirit more than you trust yourself. I hope that frees somebody today. For some of us who are performance oriented, this is hard because we think that we've got to have it all together before you know, we can really access the good things of God. And he goes, no, 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 I trust you more than you trust yourself, Jason. And I'm like, are you sure? Because I'm kind of prone to do stupid things. He goes, yeah, I know. That's why you need my Holy Spirit. It's precisely because of our proclivities and propensities toward things that are foolish and stupid and unwise that he says, you're going to need a helper. 
So take courage, because I'm sending you one. And so I want to invite you here today, if the cry of your heart, regardless of where you're at in your life and your faith, is to experience more of God, I want you to pray this prayer with me, and it's simply this. Come, Holy Spirit. Come do what only you can do. Come revive my heart. That means make it new. Come help me in my weakness. Come breathe upon me again. Come fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Can we pray that together? Father, we pray today for your Holy Spirit to come. We ask for you to come and do what only you can do. We ask for you to come and revive our hearts. We ask for you to come and help us in our weakness. We ask for you to come and breathe upon us again. God, we ask for you to fill us and to go on filling us each and every day as we learn to yield to the life of your Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, come, come. Thank you for listening today. To find out more information about our church, including ways you can give, please visit us at courageouschurch.com.